Welcome to In Your Head with Lee Richardson. Today I have a fabulous guest, Valerie Sokolowski. And Valerie is the author of eight leadership books. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal as having one of the first executive coaching practices in the nation. She's an ICF accredited coach, and her niche is in working with leaders to create strong executive presence and leadership brand that sets them apart in their marketplace and creates greater success for themselves, their teams, and their organizations. Valerie's philosophy is companies improve when people improve. And I share a similar philosophy, but it's more based on an individual level. And that is life gets better as we get stronger on all levels, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I guess if I had to sum that up in one word, it would be resilience. And, you know, resilience is not a trait that people are born with. It's something that can be learned and developed in anyone. And, Valerie, I think this falls right into your wheelhouse and your expertise with all the coaching and training that you've done. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. And what a joy to be on your show. And congratulations. Thank you. So talk to me. Tell me, you know, you've worked with different type of leaders in different industries. Are there traits, are there things that you see that really play, play into resilience? <laughs> well, I will say that the uh, leaders and emerging leaders, my sweet spot is working with those who are becoming leaders, they call them emerging leaders and those that lead them. And so through workshops, leadership workshops, and now executive coaching as well. Here's what I'm finding, Lee. I'm finding that the more people concentrate on what it takes to be a really good leader, one of the things, and there are many, but one of them is the ability to be resilient. And the reason is very simple. Nobody likes uh, nobody likes change but a wet baby. I don't know if you've heard that, <laughs> but isn't that true? And change happens all the time. Now you add to that what we're going through, which is this COVID-19, and boy, are those resilient muscles really ramping up. So I'm finding that the ability to be resilient is something, as you said, it isn't natural, we aren't born with it, but from experience and from one time after another time after another time, becoming more resilient, it just builds our esteem to know that we can be more so. That's what I'm finding. What about you? Well, you know, when I look at resilience, I think it has a lot to do. Every day we have positive events and negative events. And sometimes I feel like my day is more full of the negative. But research shows that positive outweighs negative three to one. So I think it's important. To, what I find is it's important. What are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to the positive? Or are you paying attention to the negative? Because it's a choice that we make. What are we going to focus on and what are we going to look for? And one of the things that I see in resilient people is they're very positive. You know, that's really, really true. I think back in my own background, Lee, I came from a pretty dysfunctional childhood. My uh, 
grandmother raised me, not because I didn't have parents, but they got divorced when I was a baby and my mother had to make a living and she was a retail buyer. In those days, you didn't stay in one place. You had to go to New York and different buying places to buy those clothes. So she couldn't take care of me either. So my grandmother raised me, thank God, because she instilled in me that positivity. She instilled in me whatever I have that serves me today is because of that grandmother. So a shout out to grandmothers here first. Um, when she passed, and I was only 11 years old and an only child, my mother and then her fourth husband came to get me in Oklahoma or in uh, California and moved me immediately from California to Oklahoma City, where she was currently employed. So, boy, that in itself was enough change. And then so many other things were issues. Unfortunately, she had an alcohol problem uh, and many others. So I had to become resilient. I didn't know how, but thank God and through him, frankly, I learned how to uh, get over things, how to work around things. And that positivity, back to your point, is what really, really made the difference. I focused on my schoolwork. I focused on what I could do well. And when I did well and received accolades or grades or whatever it was, that helped me as that young child at age 11 to learn to be resilient by focusing on those things that, A, were positive in my life because there were a lot of things that weren't, and then B, the things that I was able to do for myself that, uh, that built on the positivity. So, you know, <laughs> yes, I learned that long ago, but it isn't ever too late to learn it. And many of us are learning it big time right now, Lee. Well, we are. And I think that we get so caught up in things and we forget that positive things don't always have to be big. It doesn't have to be that new opportunity or that great vacation you're going to go on. It can be as simple as you get a really nice email from someone that thanks you for something that, that you did and they recognize you put some extra thought into it. Or it can be as simple as that first cup of coffee that I love starting my day with. It's We think that for it to be positive, it's got to be grand, and it doesn't. It's the little things that really can make a difference. Well, it is for sure, and that goes to gratitude, doesn't it? There's really, and you can talk to this much better than I, but from what research I've had in the past, Gratitude actually does make a difference in our brain and in our emotions. And the more we, to your point, recognize those little things, those little tiny things, as you said, every day that happen, the more we can be grateful for something, the more that gratefulness adds to the positivity. Let me give you an example. Uh, Oh, I'd say maybe eight or nine years ago, I was in a Bible study, and the leader of the study was the one that kind of got this into my craw. She said, you know, I'm going to put this box here, 
and it was a pink box, the women, it was a women's study. And she said, when you come in uh, each week to our study, if you find something you, you're grateful for uh, during the week since we've met, just fill out a three by five card and put it in the box. And at the end of our session today, we'll just at random pull a few out and see what some of you anonymously have written. And you know, that got to be a habit. And that habit got to be part of my journaling. And that journaling got to be part of building more resilience. And so the result of that, Lee, is being gratitude is something that I, and that, that aspect of how to capture it, is something that I share with every single leader that I work with. And I share that with every single client as well, because if we're grateful and we're thankful, if we're focused on the strengths, the goodness, not on the badness, you know, I'll ask my clients to find just five things that happened to them every day that was positive and write it down. Because when you write it down and you look back over the week or over the month, you see how much you have to be thankful for and how much you have to look forward to. And I think that's something that resilient people do is they look, they don't stay caught. They don't stay in the caught in the moment. They're always looking forward. It's not a challenge. It's an opportunity. Totally agree. Totally agree. Because sometimes those challenges, I mean, and it, there's two ways to look at it. It's like I've told my kids growing as they grew up, always ask questions. There's two answers, yes or no. You've got a 50% shot of getting a yes, go for it, you know. And I think it's important to note, you know, when we stop and we think about how the brain processes information, because we process the positive and we process the negative. So the left side of our head, that's logic. And that the bias for that is the positive. The right side of our head is emotion. And did you know two-thirds of the cells on the right side of the brain are scanning for threats or danger? It's that fight-or-flight mode. So we have to recognize that we do process positive and negative differently. Can you think back? If I told you three things, Valerie, and two of them, one is you are such a fabulous person, two, you really are a great lady, and three would be a negative comment. What would you remember? <laughs> that is so easy to answer. People immediately go to the negative, even... <laughs> Even Lee, when they're, uh, we're doing assessments with a client uh, and they're reading back the uh, feedback, the first thing they tend to do before I say, don't you dare go to anything negative, but that's what we're sort of geared to do, isn't it? And that's a shame. Well, we are. You think about when you go in the grocery store, if I see somebody walking around with this big scowl on their face, whew, that's what I remember. And when I hear the, the news and I hear two really things that encourage me and then one bad thing, what do I remember? It's, I think it's our natural, it's our survival mode, that fight or flight. Well, and that goes to uh, what's scriptural, which says what we feed, basically what we feed our eyes 
in our ears, uh, what we allow to come into this computer brain of ours is what sticks until we can hit the delete button. You know, I'm going to add something else to that, Lee. And that is, I had to learn this the hard way because I love everyone and I want to please everyone and I want everybody to be my friend. Well, I realized at some point in my life that there were some people that were drainers in my life and there were others that were gainers. And what do I mean by that? Just looking around, and unfortunately some of them are family members we can't do a whole lot about, but I realized that I had a choice in who I allowed of myself to be around. And when that realization came, Lee, I recognized that there were a lot of people that because I'm positive, they would vent to me. They would call me and complain because they knew that I was positive and I'd sort of give them some hope. But what it realized back to me was, wow, when I hung up the phone from that person or when I left having been with that person, I was drained, and that isn't fair to me. And so to the extent that they are just negative people, victim people, the ones that just can't seem to pull themselves up ever, pay attention to that and don't allow yourself to get pulled in. It's more important, in my opinion, to stay with people and surround yourself with people for the most part when you can with those gainers that give you energy rather than drainers that drain it. What do you think? I agree totally. I think that there are people that are toxic influences in your life. And they're toxic because they come and, and they take, they take. I call them givers and takers. They take, they take, they take. And you're exhausted when you're exhausted. So get rid of those toxic influences and focus on how you put more positive in your life. And, you know, it's as simple as Google positive words. You, you can pull up a complete vocabulary. Starts with A, goes all the way to Z. And try to use at least two new words a day that are more positive. I like that. I like that. Lee, what would you, and I don't go here because I'm not a counselor, but people who in your life that are family members <laughs> and those are the drainers, what, what can you share for me and everyone else in how to deal with family members that you really don't have a choice to say, I choose not to be around you? Well, I think you have to set boundaries and you can, and, and you have to set those boundaries with, and let them know what you have to give so that they have the right expectations because where the tension starts, if they expect one thing from, from you and they don't get it, they're going to be frustrated or angry or sad. So if you, if you let them know up front, these are my boundaries this is what I have to give, and I will do my best to give it, then everybody is on the same page. Boy, that's easy to say, hard to do. Boy, I know that. You know, <laughs> we all, we've all got those family members that really do make it difficult. And it, what we have to do is remember, we have to take care of ourselves. And, you know, I remember when I had my, my twins, my mom came up to see me and I had just, she'd been there for a week and she came down and she said, I 
She said, are you going to go to the gym today? And I said, oh, no, mom, you know, I, I, I can't leave you here with the, ba- the boys. And she said, Lee, you are a twin. Remember? <laughs> and I said, well, of course I remember. But she said, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. I said, okay, I'm going to the gym. <laughs> <I'll go laughs> in. That's a good mom, isn't it? That is, but you do. I think you do have to take care of yourself. And sometimes I think, you know, listen to your story. You really had to stay tough. Um, you at 11 years old, you had to toughen up and you had to say, you know what? I got to pick myself up and I got to roll. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what I was saying to myself at that time, Lee, but I guess so. And, you know, there was another time and we we can only share with people things that we've experienced. The other time that I really had to be resilient was in the loss of our 20 year old son in a car wreck. And I was heavily involved in starting my business. Our uh, older son was a couple of years older. He was 22 and on his own. Our daughter was 18 and just graduated, had just graduated from high school, getting ready to go away to school, to Arizona State from Dallas, Texas, when this happened. And she was to leave two weeks after it happened. Um, And the resilience looking back that we as a family had to go through together was really interesting and it was also interesting how other people who tried quote unquote to offer advice oh my gosh if there's one thing I can share with your listeners is unless you've experienced my shoes that I'm walking in really be careful the advice you give because you may think you're giving good advice and you're not but my point is that we had a support system That's what really helps when the tough times come and you need to be more resilient. Who is your your support system? Well, we had each other. And I'll never forget a woman that called, one of them that I come to mind and sharing the story about be careful what you advise. She called me and I really didn't know her that well. Our kids played together, but She called thinking she was helping. And here's what she said, Lee, if you can even believe this. She said, oh, Valerie, after she got through the I'm sorry's and all of that, she paused and she said, how's your marriage? And I was, I didn't know what to say. And I didn't get a chance to say anything because she followed it with, well, you know, the statistics and she went on to tell me that. And I, it could, here's the point that could have absolutely thrown me for a loop if I hadn't had a support system, which was the rest of my family. So I think that's another piece of advice I would share is who is your support system when you're really going through the tough times? And even when it's the little tough times, you know, who do you turn to? Those are the people that are um, God's blessings, as far as I'm concerned. And you're one of them, Lee. 
Why, thank you. But I think you make a really good point. Relationships and resilient people, they work at keeping good, strong, supportive relationships in their life. And sometimes it does take it does take work. But building those relationships and it sounds like you and your family almost had to develop your own personal why. Why do we want to keep going on? You know, what's our clear sense of purpose? Because I, my dad died when I was 12 and my twin brother died when I was 21. And I really and honestly did not understand the impact that grief had on me until I went and got my counseling license. One of the first things that you have to do is do 10 sessions of counseling. And so everybody, the other students are saying, ah, just make something up. And I'm like, no, if I'm going to spend 10 hours doing this, I'm going to get something out of it. And that is when I really started to understand and process uh, the grief Uh and Grief can, I think, can weaken you, uh, can weaken your resilience on in a very, very strong way. And I'm so happy and proud of you for pulling your family together and and using it as an opportunity to get closer, not as a challenge. Yeah, well, we, we certainly did, and our faith brought us through on top of that. It's interesting, too. Um, how people deal differently with issues that caught, that need resilience, as an example. Since we're talking about loss for a moment, what did I do? I immediately went back to work. In other words, I got busy. You said the word purpose. That's it. I had something to do to get me busy, to occupy my mind with things that were helpful to me, that I felt like I was making a difference. And so that's the way I handled it. On the other hand, my husband, we had a sailboat. He went down to the sailboat and he hammered and he sawed and he, you know, pounded. In other words, the way he dealt with grief was so different than mine. Well, whatever you're going through, you may be dealing with it differently, but there are some, as we're talking about, I think there are commonalities of how we can be more resilient. I think you're right. And, you know, understanding and giving people their space that will help them, that will truly help them. And you gave him his space. And it sounds like he gave you and respected yours. And that's not always easy to do because sometimes we want people to do exactly what we do. And I think that's one of the things with resilient people is they don't try to solve problems with the same thinking that created them. Um, They so that they don't make those same mistakes again and again. And they're willing to be honest about why they failed. And they'll take some time to think about what didn't work. That's very true. And you know, another thing comes to my mind in resilience with this uh, COVID-19 that's been, oh my goodness, uh, what words could I use to describe the emotions that are coming with it? But one of the things that many, many, many people are doing positively is giving. Because when you give to others or to a cause or to one person, 
When your mindset is what can I do externally rather than how can I get over this internally, it makes the world of difference. And so as I've been reading and hearing stories from my clients and colleagues, uh, what they are doing to make a difference externally, that, that feeds the soul. That does feed the soul. And I think you touch on the spiritual piece, and that's very important. Because, and I'll tell my clients, you know, you, you have to believe in the, a sense of higher power, whether that's God or Buddha or Allah, you've got to have that belief that there is a higher power and stay connected to it and tap into it. I have clients that, you know, they use prayer as their comfort zone and they get strong when they, they get stronger when they pray. And I have clients that use music as their comfort zone or I have one gentleman that's an artist and he creates the most beautiful art when as his way of releasing tension. So I think you, you, you bring up some good points. There's so many different ways that we have to process what's going on in our life. And the brain certainly has a big role in that and how we process the good and how we process the bad. And we oftentimes we forget that we're in control and that there's a lot of choices that we have to make in life. But we have the choice to be number one. We have the choice to be happy. That's a choice we have every day. We also have the the choice to understand what we're paying attention to. Are we focusing on the positive? Are we focusing on the negative? And it's, it's easy, you know, when you're stuck in that traffic jam, it is so easy to get, just let that negative just sweep right over you. Or, you know, I was in the grocery store and I heard this lady make a snide comment. And my first response was, Oh, she must, is that, she's, is she saying that about me? (laughs) And so I think that we're geared, you know, we let those little negative things kind of come in And we have to really focus on the positive that we have in our life. And we're going to, when we come back from the break, I'd like to spend some time and talk a little bit about the different things and different ways that people can almost help coach themselves um, to get more into that positive mode. And I'm sure you'll have some great stories to tell. You've worked in that realm for a long time. And we'll put our two heads together, and hopefully our listeners will have at least one takeaway that they can use to put more positive into their life. wonder about the origin of Murphy's Law. You know the maxim that if anything can go wrong, it will. 
Murphy's Law was named after Captain Edward A. Murphy, an engineer working at Edwards Air Force Base in 1949. Captain Murphy was working on a project designed to measure how much sudden deceleration a human could stand in a crash. After discovering a transducer constructed for the experiment was wired wrong, Murphy squabashed the technician responsible by exclaiming, If there's any way to do it wrong, you'll find it. In other words, circumvent mistakes and miscobobbles before they happen. Aerospace manufacturers began quoting Murphy's Law to their engineers, and soon it became an eponym. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. It's simple. It is calories in versus calories out. If you want to lose weight, you need to take in less calories than you're burning through exercise. Being aware of how many calories you are consuming is vital. Not all foods are prepared equally. Eat this, not that. Reports that a Chinese chicken salad from California Pizza Kitchen has 617 calories, while Applebee's Oriental Grilled Chicken Salad has 1,290 calories. That's over a 700-calorie difference in very similar salads. On the border, guacamole with chips has 660 calories, while Chili's hot spinach and artichoke dip has over 1,600 calories. Who would have thought that you can save over 1,100 calories by choosing the chips and guacamole? Be aware of the calories, make good choices, and enjoy your eating. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Right before the break, Valerie, you mentioned gratitude and thankfulness, and you even talked about journaling, writing things down, and those those are such good techniques to help people focus on the positive in their life. You know, and, and one exercise that I use is I, t- I ask people to close their eyes and envision the best possible self, and it doesn't have to be today. Maybe it's in the future. When everything is going your way and you can write it down sometimes with younger people, I'll tell them they can draw it, make a drawing of your best possible self. Do you have biceps? Do you have some big old biceps over there? Show me those guns. Um, And that really does help change the mindset and it really does increase the optimism. And I've seen a real link between people that are optimistic and people that are resilient and people that are positive. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because um, I'm re- <clears throat> I'm uh, remembering something that I did for 10 years, remembering, I mean, it's top of mind, but here's a tip also that I use in my work with uh, personal branding. Personal branding is is not spin. It's not coming up with, oh, help me build a brand. No, no, you have a brand. We've just got to get the clarity of what that authentic part of you is. And so let me share a couple of stories. May I? Please do. Okay. Well, your visioning exercise is one. So what's interesting about this, before I tell you what it is, This was a 10-year, I'm so grateful for this client, this was a 10-year client of um, 
senior executives in one of the big four. I'm not supposed to say which one, but there you go. So this was the top of the food chain. And when I first tried this exercise, I thought, oh boy, are they going to think this is fluffy or woo-woo or, you know, what are they going to think? Well, part of doing good facilitation is how you set it up. So I did set it up appropriately. And here's what the visioning was. Like you said, I asked people and it was a group of about eight at a time. And so we were in a circle and I set it up by letting them know now that we're going to do a visioning exercise. Have any of you done that before? And I would see either raises of hands or not. And I would say, please bear with me. This may seem awkward, but I think it will be a meaningful if you'll open your mind to the outcome that I believe you'll have. And so is everyone willing to do that? And they said, yes. So after having them get comfortable and try to not be thinking about anything except just what they were going to hear me say, I asked them like you to close their eyes and I asked them to visualize that it is now the end of their career. These were high level career people. So I use that. You could say the end of your life, but I don't like that. I did the end of your career. And there's a big party that's being thrown on your behalf. And people are wanting to let you know the end of your career, what difference you made in their lives. And so someone said, hey, I've got this fabulous backyard. It happens to stroll down, scroll down into uh, our lake, the lake behind our property. And let's do something this spring when the weather will be nice. And so I take them through this, asking the person to think about, first of all, just how are you feeling when the party day is here and you're getting into that car and you're driving up to the party house and then I describe what it looks like. It's beautiful home and uh, it is a perfect perfect balmy spring day, etc., etc. And what they visualize is walking through the house and seeing some balloons up and then going out onto the backyard and seeing different groups of people and asking them to walk up to each group. And I guided them into, so look to your right and you see a group of people who are laughing and they're telling stories about you and some humorous things that they've encountered during the time that they've known you. And so saunter up there and just see who they are, look around, and listen to what they're saying about you. And then I'm quiet, and I can see, because their eyes are closed, mine aren't, I can see little grins around those eight people. And then I ask them to move to another group. And this time, it's over here in this area that I describe. And I describe a different set of conversations. And again, ask them, 
what are you hearing and who are those people? And this time they're serious and they're talking about the impact that you've had on their lives. And we ask the, I ask them to hear what they're saying and so forth. So there's just a round of two or three. And then I ask them to quietly, when they're ready, to open their eyes and without saying a word or looking around at all. They have paper and pencil in their lap. Start writing down, what did you hear? Now, that visioning exercise, absolutely, Lee, I'm going to tell you, for 10 years, working with senior leaders, I guess I probably worked with, I counted them at one time, several hundred, several hundred. And these were from all over the world. Not one time did that exercise not help. Why? Because it caused them to think about the difference that they, in fact, are making currently in the lives of other purpose, I mean, of other people. And so what that leads to in the branding process that I work with, um, it leads to them thinking about what they're really here on this earth to be about, the who, in other words. Too many leaders are human doings, not human beings. And so when they have time to really reflect on the difference they're making, it, it helps them come up with a deeper purpose for their lives. So I'll stop with that because I'd love your counseling expertise on the importance of finding purpose and how you've helped them do that. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Valerie. What I kind of do is I, I help them find the silver lining in the, in the situation because, you know, we're every day – Something we make a mistake at work or we make a mistake at home and we get some negative feedback. And this is a true story. I dropped a sock down the toilet this morning. And <laughs> of course, that was not with intent, but my husband came in and gave me some critical feedback. And so, you know, I thought, am I going to spend the rest of my day just thinking about this? And, and of course, I felt stupid. Why did I? I didn't mean to do that. Um, or am I going to just look at the brighter side of that and and look at the opportunity for growth and learning? And, you know, it was pretty easy. <laughs> Don't put any clothes on the back of the toilet. But, but you know, that's one example. But what you, what I do with people is I try to help them, instead of dwelling on what's gone wrong with their life, look for the bright side because there's always a bright side. The bright side of that was... We laughed about it. Um, we decided that we would get over it. And that's a pretty simple example. But when you have people, when they make a mistake and they're afraid that they're going to lose their job or it's going to hurt the relationship, that I try to get them just to reflect on the experience and think, number one, how did that experience change you? Mm. And hopefully for the better. For the, for the better, because if you if you look and say, what did that experience teach you? Then any I feel like any time I learn something and I apply that learning in my life, that's for the better. Absolutely. Well, another 
to mind that uh, I think we're all dealing with, and that's the amount of negative information that we get every day. I think the last statistic, Lee, that I heard was that 75% of the messages from the time we get up out of the bed until we go to sleep that night in the bed, 75% of the messages in the world that are coming our way and entering our being are negative. That's that's incredible to me. That um, is. <laughs> so in, in knowing that, I'll give you an example of something last night that happened. We have uh, have decided that during the when things are negative, why would you turn on the TV and only hear more negative? So I said to my husband, you know what? And here's the point. Memory, good memories. I said, you know, remember when we went to see Yanni, the fabulous, talented Greek uh, piano player? Ah, Yanni. Y-A-N-N-I, if you want to Google it. Oh, I know who he is. Most people do, but in case they don't. Anyway, he uh, he started his career, well, started. He really made a huge impact when he came to play at the Dallas Symphony, and then he played uh, in this beautiful Parthenon in uh, the Acropolis. And so we had seen that video and I said you know what let's see if we can find the video of Yanni at the Acropolis and so it was a hour and a half presentation yes you could find it and pay for it and we did so we sat there Lee for an hour and a half and that memory never mind the fabulous music but the memory of seeing that for the first time and then gratefully we saw him in person not so long ago here in Dallas. And that brought up the memory of seeing him in person. So there were all these positive things coming into our minds and into our hearing and and kind of conjuring up those wonderful times together and sharing something that we both enjoyed. So I left that afterward uh, saying to my husband, now, wasn't that a lot more Positive. I didn't use the word at the time with him, but I said, wasn't that neat? Wasn't that enjoyable? Let's see what we can find tomorrow night. <laughs> I think that's a great approach because it, it, as it goes back to what I said earlier, it's a choice to where you, what you pay attention to. And you're making that choice to pay your attention and spend time on something that's enjoyable and beneficial to your emotional and your physical well-being. That's for sure. I don't know if this has helped, Lee, but now that you've got me on a roll and you asked me what I do with my clients, there's another uh, exercise that I find is helpful, and that is to, to work with the clients in helping them recognize what jazzes you, what gets you up in the morning. If you could do something all day long, what would that be? Um, and, and are you incorporating anything that's enjoyable during your work day? If not, at least can you do it after the work day, or at least if you can do it on the weekends. So recognizing those things in our lives that we're passionate about, that we really enjoy 
as an example, maybe it's reading a good book. Maybe you just love to sit down and get into a good book. Maybe it's learning something new. I have a client that's learning Spanish right now during this time of, of having enough time to do that. Uh, for me, fortunately or unfortunately, it's cooking. And so after I've sat at the computer for any period of time, I've got to get up. Uh, in fact, they say only sit, this is interestingly, they say to only sit for 52 minutes. Set the timer for 52 minutes. I don't know what's magic about that, but hear me out. And then get up and do something you enjoy for 17 minutes. I don't know what's magic about that, but 17 minutes. So 52 minutes, get up, do something you enjoy for 17 minutes. Well, for me, it's something to do with cooking and so or the kitchen I'll say so you know maybe it's just I go in and have a cup of coffee and I put a little extra cream in it or maybe it's planning the dinner or but that's that's what I do but finding first of all just what jazzes you it's as simple as that what jazzes you what turns uh, you on what turns you on I think you're right. And I think that it's many times it's the simple things that provide the most joy for us. But we're looking for something big and something grand that's just going to you know, knock us off our feet. And unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen every day. So being able to just tap into and say, what do I really enjoy about today or what do I really want to do? You know, in the last six weeks, we've gotten a new dog and it's a rescue dog, which uh -huh. is which I've the last four dogs I've had have been rescue dogs. And but it was a great time because we've been home more and a great time. I, I like to think that we're training the dog, but I think the dog is training us. But, it, <laughs> but either way, there's some learning going on. But the joy that has come from that. Now, at the end of the first day the dog was there, I was seriously asking myself, is this the right, is this the right answer for either of us? Mm -hmm. And, but it certainly was. And the joy that has come from, I mean, what a love bucket. Anytime I can surround myself with love, I think that's a great day. Oh, well, you taught me something recently in a conversation. Uh, and I put it in my newsletter, Valerie's Voice, and I thought it was excellent. Can I share that with your audience? Oh, please do. They probably oh. heard it before, but. <laughs> well, you said that you have found that everybody needs to have three things, something to do, something to love, and something to look forward to. And that just really hit me, Lee. And so monthly, every month, only once a month. I, I do so much writing. I can't do newsletters more than once a month. But once a month, I have a newsletter called Valerie's Voice. And I featured that on your behalf and uh, just talked about those three things. And then I also featured it last, uh, let's see, what's today? Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday this week. I did a Facebook Live. And I featured it on that. What was interesting about that, Lee, was I was able to see the chats. 
And you know what? It was <laughs> it was not only one of the most listened to, and I've only done eight Facebook Lives, but this one was listened to more in the point that after I got off of Facebook Live, which is only about, what, 20 minutes or so, more and more people got on it and more and more chats and more and more conversations. And so this really hit a chord with people. And I, I just thought it was really cool. Okay, something to do. Well, we all know we've got lots to do. That one's pretty easy. Something to love, and this is what triggered me to share this with your audience, is your puppy. Absolutely. Because not, right? not everybody has a spouse. Uh, not everybody, you know, we don't know what other people have in their life. But sometimes it's a pet. Oftentimes it's a pet. And oh my goodness, when I want to get more visibility in a newsletter or something I post, I just put something up about a pet. <laughs> and boy, does the readership go up. So good for you. Well, I think it's amazing to me how many people, and my husband's a big Facebooker, and animals, he's always, it's about the animals, and finds the cutest, most entertaining things. Uh, so it's, it goes back to what turns you on, where do you get your pleasure from, play into that. Well, what about humor? Let's talk about humor for a minute, shall we? Let's laugh about it. <laughs> Well, okay, so you're the expert in this. Um, I'd love to get your feedback on, on research about humor and laughter uh, because it it helps. So teach me something, Lee. Well, I think that, and I'm just going to share a Leeism with you instead of research. There's, you know, comes time to you can laugh or you can cry. In a lot of situations, and when you can choose to laugh about it, is when you can when you can let it go, not let it take you down, and keep your you know when you're crying about it, you're focusing on the problem. When you're laughing about it, you're looking more what okay, what was the good that happened, or, or why will I never do this again? So I think humor is something that. I admire people, and some people have the best sense of humor. I mean, when, I, when you say humor, I think of some of the comedians that we've had. And I'm always amazed at that. That's one thing that I have worked hard to develop <laughs> is to have a better sense of humor. Well, I literally, I'm laughing because I literally had a woman when I was uh, – much younger than now, I had a woman in my life uh, that said to me, Valerie, why do you smile so much? And that's kind of how she said it. Uh, I don't know what her problem was, but I just smile. It's just who I am. Sorry about that. But I didn't have the guts at the time to say anything back, nor would I probably have had something relevant and, and appropriate to say back. But she said it, and, and it took me back, and here's what I did say. I said, well, that's interesting. The one thing I know is a smile has a lot more face value, and there aren't as many wrinkles. <laughs> she didn't know what to say. That was so a great response. 
just smiling. It's so, so simple. That is a great response. And, you know, it is the simple things. And sometimes I think, you know, if, if we reward the small wins that we have and recognize it, what we put in, and, and that gives us strength. Oh, well, we all know, need more strength, don't we? Well, we I, do. I, I have to tell you one more thing. Um, I was looking at, uh, oh gosh, did I write it down? I hope not. I hope I did. Maybe I didn't. But something scripturally that says, in essence, suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance, it's in Romans. Perseverance leads to uh, character, and character leads to hope. And so I mentioned these Facebook Lives uh, Lee, I, I'm titling all of them "Raising Your Hopeometer," because that's what we all need. We all need hope. If anyone gives up on hope, it's tragic. It's our responsibility. Philosophically, this is what I believe. It's our responsibility as human beings to offer hope anywhere we can to anyone that we can. Hope. Boy. Valerie, that is a great way to close our show. If people want to tap into your Facebook lives or access some of the work that you're doing, how can they do that? Oh, my goodness. So go to uh, Valerie Sokolowski or Valerie and Company on Facebook. Find me. Follow me, please share <laughs> and you'll get uh, the notices so i'm doing them typically every tuesday at 4:30 central time i don't know if i'll do it more often than that but that's the plan now and i always try to bring something i don't just get on and chat and just hear myself talk it's just not who i am i've got to give some kind of value and so i always have something that raises their hopeometer um, so I'd love for your listeners to join that. And I'd also, if I could mention the podcast. Real quick, we please do. Okay. It's called Doing It Right. Doing It Right. Just Google my name, Valerie Sokolowski, and you'll see a podcast called Doing It Right. Listen up. It's about leaders that are leading authentically. Thank you so much, Valerie, for being with us today. And I hope that we've given our listeners one thing that they can think of to put more positive in their life. If nothing else, find those positive words. <laughs>